If it smells like shit, you are in the right place. You are listening to the Prod Whackers, hosted by David and Craig. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Podwhackers here. Got myself, David, sitting here with Craig, bright and early. Hey, good morning. How's it going, man? Ah, just another week in paradise. That's right. I got my, uh, got my load of mulch coming in today. A nice 10 yards. Ready to lay that shit down. Yeah. I gotta go round two on the weeds. Seems like you get it all looking nice, and then just amazing how much shit grows up after the fact. Yeah, so I was telling my wife, um, she's like, I don't know how we're ever going to mulch. I'm like, well, you just do it. Like, we just we just get it. We just lay it down because I just keep fighting weeds. So until we put something on top of them, you're going to see them. So yep. let's get it done. It definitely helps, but if you can find something natural to or non-toxic at the very least to put on them to, to, to help control it while you put the stuff over top. <laughs> yeah, we don't spray any Roundup or anything. We uh, we uh we either pull them or we spray. I make a vinegar mixture. Um, I'll mix vinegar, soap, and salt in a one of those little sprayers, and I go around and spray them, and that works really well actually. Um, and you can get two different kinds of vinegar. So there's like a twenty percent vinegar, which is like really really acidic, and that'll kill a lot of stuff better. There's also a five percent vinegar, which is like your standard household vinegar. Yeah, both of them work pretty good. Um, but the thing you have to realize is you can't let your weeds get out of control first because that's what I did last year and the vinegar did nothing. Um, but then you can, uh, if you spray them, you have to usually do it multiple times to get the effect of probably what Roundup would do in one trip. You might have to do it two or three times. It depends on what it is. Like for some reason, like dandelions and thistle seem to go away real easily, but like grasses and stuff. Not so much. They just kind of like burnt out, but then they like respawn almost instantaneously. Yeah, some of that shit you just can't kill. <laughs> it's never yeah. ending battle. Even even with Roundup, I I put on some spots where it was very diluted with water and tried not to overdo it. In a couple spots, it was really bad, and it's still the shit comes right back. It, it doesn't matter what it is. Exactly. I mean. It, just because you killed it once doesn't mean something doesn't come right back in its place or the same thing, just you just didn't get to the root and then it just comes right back up anyway. We're going to try something interesting. Instead of that uh, like garden fabric stuff, we're going to try and put down like newspaper and paper bags and then soak them with water and then lay the mulch right on top of that and see how that does this year because it will absorb right back into the ground. Right. Yeah, it'll help. I mean, as long as you put a thick enough layer on top to hold everything in place, it should be fine. Yeah, I got so many weeds, so it's like I just need something to sort of create a barrier and some temporary relief and hopefully kill something. So it's been all right because I've been on top of it, but it's like it takes up all my time. So I'm sick of that. I think my dog has the best weed killing (laughs) built in like everywhere she goes in the yard there's little yellow spots where she takes a leak so maybe you could go out and uh get the old fire hose out and start spraying them that's right i should do that (laughs) just go out and take a whiz right in my flower bath i'm sure my neighbors would think that was pretty good 
<laughs> yeah. Just make sure you turn off your security spotlight so you're not on camera. <laughs> oh, man. That'd be pretty good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, so how about these uh, these Cavaliers? Uh, yeah, I, I was looking into our topics today to talk about, and I wanted to start on something else, but because I'm still livid about the Cavs, that, that game... There was so much wrong with that game. <laughs> it, oh, I'm so pissed to the point where I don't even know if I want to watch it Sunday because I think Sunday is going to be a blowout on the Golden State side. Yeah, People I, are saying that LeBron's pissed and he's going to come out with a fury. He might, but he already did. He came out and laid down 50 points and we didn't win. Yeah. So, Well, so I, I didn't stay up and watch that because it was way too late for me. So I watched a little bit of the first quarter, and I, I DVR'd it, and uh, I have DirecTV now, so it's one of those like internet TV services, and they have a new cloud DVR feature on there, and so I went and, uh, that's the first time I've used it, so I recorded the game, and so the next morning I woke up about 4.30 or so, and I went downstairs to work out, and uh, I threw the game on the TV. And just fast forwarded down to the fourth quarter because the other three don't matter. And if the score was out of hand, I just wouldn't even waste my time. So it was we were up by like one or two. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is competitive. I, I'm I was shocked. I thought for sure we would just get blown out. Um, basically, all four games. I thought we would just get rolled because our bench is not <laughs> nearly as deep. Our second, third, fourth best options are not nearly as good. So I was a little bit shocked that that we were ahead. So I'm like, okay, sweet. So I just kind of, you know, I, I was working out and I have a TV that kind of across the way and I was just kind of keeping, I was listening to it and, and watching, you know, intermittently. So the game gets down to the wire and I stop and I go over and just start watching. Dude, what in the fuck is going on with NBA officiating? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I I'm mean, not usually I'm, like a blame the refs guy because I feel like you if you're in the position where the refs are changing the game for you most of the time it's your fault but when it's the NBA finals like you should have the best of the best and it just baffles me like the majority of the calls that were going on when they were calling reach in fouls for guys that were hitting all ball no hand no waist no shirt no wrist hitting the ball with their hand, poking it away, and they would call a foul on the Cavs every time. And it was just like the we were pulling away from the Warriors, and it was all of a sudden like, hey, uh, no, 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 we got to make this close. I got some money on the line here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it just frustrated me. I was getting pissed. And they put the game in uh, George Hill and J.R. Smith's hands at the end of regulation. And, um, man, if Hill could have nailed one more free throw, we're, we're, we win it. And... J.R. Smith, he just he rebounds a I think the second shot of that series of free throws at the end where Hill misses and just ties it. He makes the first one, ties it, could make one go ahead, and he it bounced off the rim. We rebound it with like two seconds left, and J.R. Smith just runs out by, beyond the three point line and just runs around. And <laughs> I saw at the end he said that he thought they would call timeout. Which, if that's really the case, then I don't necessarily blame him. But honestly, if you know there's two seconds left and you've got the ball, you just shoot it. Like, and if they call timeout before you get the shot off, they call timeout. 
but you just you take your shot. You got two seconds. You don't have time to fuck around. No, with with Jr. Yeah, why 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 even worry about the timeout? Because where if you watch the replay and where he caught the ball off the rebound, number one, I want to come back to the the point of the free throw, but where he caught the ball, he could have turned and went right back up and probably drawed another foul for at least trying to take a you know an easy layup right in front of the basket. I mean, right in front of the basket. Mm-hmm. Why he would run out is beyond me. Why why set up a timeout with two seconds left? Yeah, it, it almost looked like he thought we were winning. Like the way he ran with it was almost like I'm running away to not get fouled, so the time runs out. Right. Yeah, and I can see that, and that in the heat of the moment, that's probably honestly what happened. I mean, everybody else is. There's a million different, <laughs> you know, theories about what he was thinking or what he was saying, and I think LeBron even walked out of the the press conference because one reporter was saying, well. What was what was in Jair's mind when that happened and this and that and LeBron was basically done hearing it and just got up and left. <laughs> was so, he? I didn't watch that. Was he done hearing it because he was pissed at Jr. or was he done because he felt like the media was just dwelling on something that he was just done with? Well, the media was definitely trying to poke the bear and try to get him to say something inflammatory about Jr. because you could visibly see that he was pissed that Jr. rolled out mm-hmm. into the where he's holding his hands out saying basically what the fuck are you doing oh yeah that was all over twitter and every <laughs> meme possible <laughs> right. yeah but if you go to the free throw i'm not gonna say it was intentional mess but if you how many times do you see a team shoot a free throw they miss it and they pull the rebound pull essentially at that point it's an offensive rebound if you miss and you get the ball back you don't, you don't see it it's pretty that rare. often. Pretty rare. Yeah, but it was almost like it was set up. It, I don't know. <laughs> you gotta be. I mean, t- that's the thing. Like, you gotta really, really, really be good at faking that shit. Like, you don't practice missing free throws. You practice making free throws. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't know. And Hill's an eighty percent shooter. I yeah, mean. yeah, yeah. But also, I mean, you gotta remember it's the NBA Finals. Two seconds left in Golden State against mm-hmm. the quote unquote best team of all time, and then you've got to make two to win it. You know, I mean, pressure mounts, man. Yeah, I, I can I, see. I, guess. I, I don't think there's anything nefarious with the free throw itself. I, nor do I think it was anything with Jr. Jr. is just kind of, just kind of strikes me as kind of an idiot. But um, yeah. Because the ball had to bounce just right, you know, and JR takes it and then he just goes and runs out and like LeBron's reaction and like, there's just too much going on there for me to, me to buy into any conspiracy theories outside of the officials. So, yeah, uh, the officials is another story for sure. See, I see, I saw something on Twitter, which I thought was funny, but I don't know that I buy into it and who knows it could be completely fake news, but it was something to the effect of the, the ref that kept calling those fouls at the end of the game was he lives in a 11,000 square foot house. Mm-hmm. Someone was like, how's he afford an 11,000 square foot house on an NBA official salary? Exactly. And that, that was the it, point was he, by making these kinds of calls and betting on the games. And, and well, I didn't see any of those conspiracy theories around the ref. Right? Cause I, I was over it, you know, like the day after 
Mm-hmm. Just hear people back and forth. But which referee was it? Was it the one guy with the slick back hair? I the... believe it was him. I don't remember offhand. I kind of came across this randomly on Twitter because my feed was just loaded with all these <laughs> issues and people yeah. complaining. And that's why I said, like, I'm not typically a blame the officials kind of guy. Um, you know, on occasion, like, yeah, they made a bad call, but you accept it and you move on. If you put yourself in the situation to be one or two calls away from the game, then you potentially leave it in someone else's hands. In this case, I felt like there were several in the last two minutes that were just out of, just, just out of character. Like they were just completely out of place. They were bad calls. They went back and reviewed a charging call on, uh, Kevin Durant was charging to the basket and LeBron stepped in front of him and got into a defensive stance and got knocked over they called it a charge on kd and then they reviewed it and reversed it but the but if you listen to all of the commentary during the review from all the the tv analysts as well as you know any any cavaliers fan um -hmm. lebron didn't move so it was a valid charge and they even had an expert official you know how they do like they got the guy who's on TV who pops in was a former NBA ref and he does his analysis on it real quick in between the actual refs doing it. He said, yeah, I mean, that's a charge or, or at minimum just keep the call because you called it as is and there's not much mm-hmm. to overturn it. So they come back out and suddenly Katie's shooting two free throws. Yep. And it's like, Hmm. And they were down by two. That's weird. Yeah. So, and Kate, and oh. Katie's probably one of the best free throw shooters in the entire league. I think he's almost ninety percent. Yeah, he's pretty damn good. He's he's pretty much automatic when it comes to that. It, it's just it's just frustrating. It, you know, LeBron goes out and throws 50, 50 down, and we lose. And that was a first ever. No team's ever had a player score fifty points and lose. Um, right. So, you know, I, it just it's really irritating and you know beyond baffling to me as, as to how this how it comes down to this, this kind of thing. I can't stand it. That's the one thing I hate. Um, you know, these games, unless they're way out of hand, they come down to the last two minutes every time. And, you know, if you've got officials going around and and making these terrible, terrible calls and doing all of these horrible things at the end, like, you know, and I, I honestly, I would sit here and say the same thing. If it happened to the warriors, I would just be happy that we won though. You know, like if the Warriors got screwed, I would sit here and tell you the Warriors got screwed. They got so many foul calls against them that were just ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. I'm happy we won, which Warriors should be happy that they won. But man, was it give it to them, like handed to them on a silver platter in essence, because it was like, you know, I could not believe the number of calls they were making on people who were blocking shots or, or poking the ball away and not hitting anybody or hitting anything. And it was like, well, what are you calling? Because clearly they hit the ball and they knock it away and you know it's like well i I don't get it like what's the foul explain it to me you know and lebron's probably sitting there getting sick and tired of having to yell at the refs the entire game like dude what are you doing you're screwing us over blah 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 blah. right i don't know so (laughs) there were a ton of them and there's there's three three of the plays and one of them actually didn't even involve LeBron that didn't get called. The one was the strip that George Hill had. Mm-hmm. The camera angle on the TV when it happened real time, you can see that it was all ball. It's right, and the camera angle was right over the referee's shoulder. Yeah. He was looking directly at the ball. 
mm-hmm. from the perspective of Hill, and he still called foul. Yeah, I'm more of a fan of swallow your whistle in the last two minutes. I don't need 500 fouls in the last two minutes. Because if it's not a foul in the first quarter, it's not a foul in the fourth quarter. Why are you calling it? You would never have called that in the first quarter. No way. It's just no. you you want to you want to affect the game. The refs have some type of ego. They need to have a system in place where like teams just because this happens, it seems to be a regular occurrence. They need to have some kind of system in place where they can, you know, like object to the officials and have another crew come out and finish the game or, you know, rotate officials around so that it's not some kind of I, I don't know. I mean, that might be ridiculous, but you know, like it just feels like you have no recourse for them going to review things that clearly are against you. And it's like, well, you clearly screwed up and you screwed us. Like, so how, how do we not have that happen? Like, how do I have a check in place? Because instant replay isn't working. Right. Apparently. And, and in my opinion, why can't they be suspended just like a player? I don't know why you can't critique them. Why well, do you I get fined for going during the game? But well, no, anything about it. The players and coaches. Why can't you come out after a game and say, "Dude, you guys sucked. You did terrible. Like, what is this? This is garbage." Make them feel bad about the way that they're calling games. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I'm sorry, but like, you guys blew it. Like, and it's plain. Like, why can I come out here and say you guys blew it? But the NBA players and coaches, the people who really, really care, you know, who are dealing with the day, they can't come out and be like, you guys blew it. Like, you guys suck. Why can't I have an opinion on that? Like that, you should be able to have an opinion on that. I don't see why not. I mean, I don't, you may have some limitations on the way you can phrase things and how mean you can be. But I mean, seriously, these guys are out there screwing you over and you, you can't even say anything about it. Like, this is I, I don't understand why they can't be more vocal about it. I don't. I don't know what the restriction is. Why they can't. Why they can't criticize some of the calls. I mean, I know it comes across as being a whiner or making excuses, but some of those were blatantly obvious. Yeah, in this look case, at, yeah, yeah. Look, look at look at Draymond Green. Everybody knows I love Draymond Green. He's my bro. <laughs> Not exactly, but. <laughs> I'm going to watch my mouth when I talk about this guy because, man, he incites so much rage. LeBron is driving to the basket, hands in his face, and and all of Golden State, all of the fans are booing when LeBron goes down. I mean, it wasn't obvious, even in the replay, what happened until they really slowed it down. But the guy poked his fucking eyeball out, basically. You saw the blood in in the contusion on his eye like five minutes after the fact. I, t- I didn't catch that. I Well, I probably missed it when I skipped to the fourth quarter. Oh, dude. I mean, you, if you go back and, and look at some of the close-up photos, he legitimately, Ric Flair style, poked his eye out. <laughs> oh, what a wiener. Yeah, exactly. I hate Speaking that of guy. wieners, that Draymond Green likes to show his wiener on Twitter. <laughs> Everybody forgets about that, though. But That's right. Yeah. So let's talk about overtime. So they go to overtime after all this fiasco. I, so we're still just talking regulation here, and then we move to overtime. And I guess in overtime, this is where uh, my cloud DVR storage situation comes into play. I get the first minute of overtime on my DVR, and then it just died, so I didn't even get to watch the end of the game, uh, which thankfully, because I went and looked up the score immediately and realized that they lost by like 10 or something. I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. But uh, anyhow, uh, there's a huge spat that happens. Um, 
So I guess the Warriors go up by about 10 or so, and there's like 20 seconds left in the game, and Sean Livingston takes a jump shot. Uncontested. Right. Everyone's just kind of standing around waiting for the clock to dribble out, but he decides he's going to shoot the ball. Tristan Thompson is not a fan. He jumps up to quote-unquote contest the shot, comes down with an elbow to his head, and then all hell breaks loose. So mm-hmm. in that spat, uh, you know, they, they call the foul, they eject Thompson, he's kind of walking around on the court. Draymond Green comes walking around clapping furiously with his little maniacal face, and he's laughing it up, having a good old time, and Tristan Thompson turns around and throws the basketball right at his face. <laughs> Yeah, that was awesome. I wish he would have actually... He was already ejected from the game. I wish he would have just fucking straight punched him in his fat head. I think he should have pretended to shoot a half-court shot and throw up that ninja kick that Draymond Green supposedly has to do when he shoots the ball and just kicked him right in the dick. Yep, I would have. Oh, dude. Straight straight ninja kick right to the beans. I can't wait to watch this in game two. So anyhow, part of the overtime spat... Once it happens, Kevin loves on the sideline. He takes a couple steps onto the court, and then there's some drama. So mm-hmm. does Tristan get suspended, and does K-Love get suspended because they both violated NBA rules, and obviously Tristan was you know, being very violent and aggressive on the court, and then you got Kevin Love coming off the bench onto the floor, which I guess is a huge no-no. You're not allowed to do that. Uh, yeah. Neither of them got suspended for game two. So no. I think Tristan came down with a fine. I don't think anything happened to K-Love. I don't think he was doing anything malicious or aggressive. He was just kind of, you know, sticking up for his teammates. Yeah, um, trying to be a peacemaker. Yeah, I don't think he was out there to cause problems, and the NBA saw that, surprisingly. You know, I'm surprised. Um, so I, we, we get game two coming up now. Um, now that we have all this uh, drama going on, how do you see this one unfolding? I, I just hope the Cavs don't don't just lay down because they they feel like the officials are not going to let them win the game and they just basically go out and, and play at about 75%. I can see that happening, but I certainly hope not. <laughs> so the Cavs are an ultimate Jekyll and Hyde kind of team, right? So I can see them coming out and just getting rolled because some nights their shots just don't fall. And it seems like it's everybody but LeBron can't make a basket. I can see that happening. I can also see them coming out pissed off and just dominating. Not necessarily where they're up, you know, 20 against the Warriors, but playing the kind of aggressive dominant basketball that they were playing the other night in game one. Keeping them in Mm -hmm. the game, being very competitive. That's all I want. Like, I... My personal prediction of the NBA Finals was that they would get swept in four games. Just mm-hmm. I just didn't see the matchup. They just I mean, you might sneak one out because LeBron, and that's really it. And he's that good that he could beat the Warriors by himself, and he almost did it. But the NBA right. officials seemed to help them survive. But uh, you know, my original whole whole hope was if if the Cavs can be competitive, so it's kind of basing it on that premise. Like if we actually have the ability to be in games with the Warriors, okay, and we're not getting destroyed. We have a chance to win then, right? We have a chance to win in the series. So we need to take one or two on the road. I don't care if it's game one or game two. So I hope they come out Sunday night, super aggressive, come out, punch them right back in the mouth, show them they're not afraid of them, and then bring that series back to Cleveland with some momentum. But I ultimately have a a bad feeling about that game. I kind of have a feeling they're going to lose. 
I mean, if you if you look at the effort from game one, and had you taken out, you know, three or four of the bad calls that that swayed the game into overtime, mm-hmm. th- they were evenly matched. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But then honest. you have, but then you have the Cavaliers show up and just get rolled. Mm-hmm. But I I think the interesting thing is that this Cavs team was kind of built to play the Warriors the entire season. So they struggled against some other teams in the East as they tried to get to the Warriors, right? And right. and originally, you know, I mean, with that midseason trade, you kind of just jumbled things up a little bit, but they were always trying to gear themselves up to play the Warriors. And so I think they like having Kevin Love play center, it caused a lot of mismatches for them because he's not really a true center and he doesn't really handle the center position all that well. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's, it is what it is. I, I think we'll, uh, time will tell. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but I'm pretty excited for game two. Um, I'll probably actually stay up and watch this one all the way through. Yeah. I was honestly hoping that for game two, they come out. I mean, if you look at the effort between Larry Nance and Tristan Thompson, just, in gameplay, Larry Nance was he was unbelievable off the bench in that game, and I don't know necessarily that he would get the nod to start. But I mean, if you look at game one, he deserves it for game two. In my well, you opinion, need that, you need that off the bench, though. You know what I mean? Like, there's a place for that guy who comes off the bench. That's what Iguodala was for them. I, I honestly think that that helped us in such a big way with that Iguodala wasn't available for them. Because right. he wrecks our bench every single time we play them. He is just like a one-man wrecking crew by himself against yeah. our bench, always. So he's such a matchup number. Because he's good enough to be in their starting five, but he's on that cusp where it's like, okay, but you put him on the bench and he leads that second unit and you've got like a, you know, a fresh guy out there against a second yeah. unit and he's like a top-tier player. And that forces guys like LeBron to not be able to rest. So I don't know. I, He's I like, one of the only guys on their team that can actually legitimately try to guard LeBron. He is. I like him a lot. I really do. I like Iguodala. He's one of the few players on the Warriors team that I really like and respect. Um, I think he plays the game the right way. He plays tough. He's just he's he's a beast, man. I like him a lot. Yeah, I I think one thing I would love to see in Game Two if uh, Draymond comes out running his mouth, which we know he's going to do. Why why can't Coach Kendrick Perkins is not going to come off the bench for zero zero time during the game. Send him in, send him in for one round and have him get kicked out. Just go have him go out there and throat punch Draymond right in the balls. Oh my god! <laughs> if if we <laughs> actually resorted to sending somebody out there legitimately just to go hit Draymond Green, <laughs> I would love it. Oh, I, I th- would. Too. I think you save that I for like game it. three or game four in front of the Cavs fans, depending on what the series score is. You know, if we if we're tied one game apiece, you don't need to go that route. But man, you come back to your home crowd. Somebody gives Dream on the old uh, Hulk Hogan leg drop. Yeah, yeah, right to the ball sack. That's right. <laughs> I love it. I I know that there would be so much fallout from that. It would be un- uh, to me. It would be amazing. But oh my god, oh, so I can't good. imagine. So good. Before we move off of the game one, and I still think there's a little bit of a spin. You brought—I didn't know 
that there was stuff out there that people were talking about the referee living in an 11,000 square foot house or whatever. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you look at some of the facts of the game where a couple of those calls are not made because they shouldn't have been made or stuff that should have been called to swing towards the Cavs favorite and they go ahead and outright win the game in regulation. Um, two, two big things. I think the point spread was 12 in favor of the Warriors. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if I don't know a lot about betting in Vegas and odds and all this other stuff. But does that twelve point still covered? Because I think the the margin of victory in overtime was twelve points. I think the final score was one twenty four to one twelve. So they covered their points. Vegas saved a shitload of money. Number one, because the Warriors covered their points mm-hmm. and everything went the way they said it was going to go. Mm-hmm. And number two, this is a little more outlandish, but I, I would love to know who's patting that guy's pocket. <laughs> like you said, who what NBA referee would live in an 11,000 square foot house? Yeah, like okay. I, I don't know if that's 100% true that he does, but yeah, <laughs> I, I was asking myself the exact same question. You know, it's just... Maybe know. he's got a maybe he's got some side funds coming in from Taco Bell because they have that promotion going. If the uh, if the away team takes a home game from the other team, that they give away the free Doritos Locos tacos. So Taco Bell got out of of uh, giving away like fifty million free tacos. Maybe they, <laughs> maybe they paid that guy to throw the game so they didn't have to give away their free shitty food. You know, <laughs> you could be on to something. Hey, I try to look at all angles. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, that left a bad taste in my mouth, like Taco Bell. Anyway, <laughs> so moving on to some other newsworthy topics, uh, we got this whole saga with Roseanne and uh, mm-hmm. and her her ambient tweeting fury. So she's come out lately and been heavily in support of our. Uh, our president at real Donald Trump, the man. Um, and she's been kind of vocal about how, you know, being a conservative in Hollywood is, you know, tough and, you know, people are always picking on her and blah, 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 blah. Um, but she went to Twitter and started, uh, trying to be funny and, and, and tweeting some mm-hmm. jokes. And I, I think you've got that tweet. Uh, what did, what did she say? Yeah. And um, from the Washington Post article that I read up on about the whole incident, I was actually a couple of days behind on this thing, and things started blowing up, and I had to catch up. But apparently, um, she made a tweet directed at former senior advisor Valerie Garrett, and I am quoting her statement from Twitter, calling her a, a, a part of the Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby, was basically equaled. Valerie Garrett <laughs> was the tweet. But in that article, I I don't think anybody should be surprised by that because I think she said something even more inflammatory. Browsing down a little bit further in 2013, when Obama was in office, she made an equally just bad tweet about, who was it? Suzanne Rice was his national security advisor at the time. Mm-hmm. She said, Suzanne Rice is a man with big swinging eight balls. Oh my god! 
So this is nothing new. And the whole uproar is just crazy. Yeah, so... (laughs) She's... I mean, she had to know what she was doing, right? Like, you don't just get on Twitter and say this stuff and not expect somebody to, you know, get up in arms over calling calling a black woman an ape. Like, Oh, absolutely. Like, you're an idiot. I mean, you know, I, I do think that there are times where, like, you know, people will say these things, you know, and it just comes out odd and because of the history of the way that things have been you know in our country with slavery and everything where you say something and it is completely harmless and you're not meaning anything and you you know you say oh man that guy like he runs like a monkey or something like that and you're not meaning it to literally be racist you're literally meaning it to compare him to a monkey because he's like swinging his arms around all weird or whatever and like you would say it about any race of person and it just happens that this person's black like i can understand that right this is not that this is the opposite of that. This is like saying something completely terrible about a person. I have no idea who this woman is, by the way. I don't know if you know who she was talking about. I don't think no, anyone knows who I this woman was either. prior to this tweet. So, hey, kudos to that lady. Go get yourself some fame. Uh, but, yeah, like, nobody even knew who this woman was. Why is she even tweeting about her? Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know what spurred this. But, but yeah. So... ABC went ahead and shit canned her right after that. So she just, they just rebooted Roseanne not too long ago and it was doing pretty well from what I understand. And so ABC said, uh, Roseanne's Twitter statements, uh, Twitter statement is abhorrent, repugnant and inconsistent with our values. And we've decided to cancel her show. So, yeah. um, you know, that, that was kind of interesting. And then I saw that, uh, you know, her buddy, uh, Donald Trump was, uh, not happy that she got canceled either. So, mm-hmm. um, that kind of brings us to a, a second issue similar to this one where Samantha B makes some comments and Samantha B's a, a Canadian comedian. Um, and I don't really follow her very often. I, I don't find her to be terribly funny or anything. Uh, but also then I don't really pay much attention. So maybe she's hilarious, but, uh, so she's a, she's got a TV show and I wanted to play a clip of her talking about Ivanka Trump. So let's take a listen. After decades of ignoring the issue, Americans are finally paying attention. Well, most of us, Ivanka Trump, who works at the white house, chose to post the second most oblivious tweet we've seen this week. You know, Ivanka, that's a beautiful photo of you and your child, but let me just say, I'm going to pause right there. She's got a picture on her TV screen, <clears throat> Samantha B does behind her. It's kind of like a Tosh.0 kind of thing where she stands in front of one of those green screens with a fake TV. And it shows mm-hmm. a, a tweet that Ivanka posted and it says, my heart emoji, uh, hashtag Sunday morning. And the picture is Ivanka and her kid. And she's just holding them and they're kind of like, they've got their foreheads on each other looking all sweet. And Samantha B is about to make reference to the uh, the immigration policy and issues that are going on. And so that's kind of what this is in reference to. So let's finish. One mother to another. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless cunt. He listens to you. So there it is. So Check, please. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, so... So right after this Roseanne thing, Samantha B goes and calls Ivanka a cunt, and she doesn't get fired. She's been losing some sponsors, but she doesn't get fired. And so 
Donald Trump wasn't really pleased about that. And so mm-hmm. he's been out here kind of, uh, you know, complaining about the fact that Samantha B can call Ivanka a cunt and not get fired. But Roseanne goes and calls a black woman an ape and she, she gets fired. So I don't know about you. Um, I personally find that I don't really like people getting fired for like comments, you know, like really depending what it is and and how malicious the statement is. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and how you're going about it. Now, Roseanne made a comment. Um, I mean, let's be honest. You are allowed to be a racist if you want to be, there's nothing illegal about it, but ABC doesn't have to put up with it. And, uh, what Samantha B said wasn't racism. She was attacking Ivanka Trump. And so I think there's a big difference there. Right. And a lot of people are, you know, in the conservative media are upset that Samantha B gets away with stuff like this and Roseanne does not. Uh, we have to draw a line of distinction here that, uh, Roseanne's tweet is clearly racist, like 100% (laughs) racist. What she says, like, you've got to know better. She blames it on Ambien. She says she was on Ambien, didn't know what she was doing and makes a racist tweet. I would argue that if you are on drugs where you're tweeting things and you don't quote unquote, remember them, that it's actually showing your subconscious and you are inherently a racist human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, that it that that's been demonstrated four or five years ago with that other that other tweet that she made about the other person on his uh, staff. I, I think the inherent racism is already there, and everybody is chirping about this double standard. Yeah, and there is a double standard. I think most people can agree on that. Uh, in, uh, what, in what regard? Um, her her tweet was clearly racist, but and like you said, Samantha B, her comment in no way, shape, or form was racist. Basically, just calling her name doesn't matter. She didn't come out and say she was a white cunt, no or black cunt, no. Just she said she was. A cunt. Yeah, right. I mean, replace cunt with idiot. Yeah, I mean, it, been, essentially, that's what you're doing, right? Like you're calling her an idiot. You're just saying, hey, you moron, like quit tweeting these stupid tweets and go worry about an important issue, which I mean, that's ridiculous in and of itself. Like you can't you can't have family time while also trying to work on other issues just because your dad's the president and he's an idiot. I mean, that's neither here nor there. But the stuff with uh, with Roseanne is like she's clearly being malicious, right? Like there's no reason to attack this woman. No one even knows who this woman is. And you're calling her an ape like and she's black and she claims she thought she was a Jew what right <laughs> I, mean, I don't know I, I i don't understand it like if you know enough about the lady that you're picking on here to call her an ape like you've got to know she's black right like yeah. i don't know who this woman is i've never even heard of her I, mean, I don't i don't know anybody who really knows who this woman is unless you're like a hardcore political person right like mm-hmm. the common person has no idea who the hell she's even talking about and you go out of your way to ambient tweet her <laughs> and call her a racist name yeah, and what's the backstory on that whole thing? Is like you said, why? Why do you even bring her up? Why even? Why even throw it out there? Something happened in the past where she targeted Roseanne in another exchange. I, I don't know. I don't know the history on it. Um, 
but but just like I said, that I'm, I'm sure there's way more inflammatory things coming from the other side of that 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 would qualify for the double standard. And I didn't go out and do the homework to see what I could dig up because honestly, better things to do with my time. I think <laughs> some, I, I honestly think Roseanne Barr is an idiot. I think Samantha B is an idiot. This point, I, I don't like either one of them. But TBS had no grounds to do anything to Samantha B based on what she said. Because, like I said, she just essentially called her a name. It She's wasn't being a raised comedian. or baited anything. She's being a comedian. Like, mm-hmm. we're in a weird, weird, weird time where comedians get in trouble for being comedians. Like, comedians are the people who go out and say really ridiculous shit. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a joke. I mean, they mean the message behind it, but the words are phrased in a way to be funny. You know what I mean? So it's like right. I can say something and be over-exaggerative and, and say it in a way that is meant to be entertaining and use vulgar language to sugarcoat it if that's my style of humor, you know, and those kinds of things. And, like, people are, like, really just picking apart everyone's words at this point and just using them in a way that I just don't like. Like, I can't stand that anymore. It's getting ridiculous. We're getting to a point where you can't have a thought and be somewhat funny or facetious. And yeah, your thought is real, but the language that you use gets you in trouble. Right. That's frustrating because why can't you say things that are, you know, in jest, but they're kind of vulgar in a way? Like, why can't you do that? That, that can be humor for some people. Some people probably found that hilarious what she said right? They're laughing. They think it's funny. Regardless of your political affiliations, you think what she said was funny. You laugh. And then suddenly mm-hmm. there's like a huge backlash. It's like, you know, for the people who were calling uh, the other side snowflakes, mm-hmm. that's the definition of snowflakey right there. You can't take that. You can't take someone talking shit about your side. Like, I mean, right. tough. They hurt your feelings. Big yeah. deal. Right. Move on. Oh. I mean, you're going to, you're going to be all up in arms over some woman you're never going to meet that you really could give two shits about that probably doesn't really even have that great of ratings on TBS. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, why do people let this stuff bother them? I mean, no wonder we have so much anxiety and stress in this country. Yeah, exactly. If this is the kind of shit you let bother you, I mean, come on. You obviously have not much else going on in your life when you let this type of thing consume you, which a majority of people do let this type of thing consume them. And then you get all this overreacted, you know, snowflake mentality. That's where where the whole, that's where the whole term is, is that's where it comes from. (laughs) Uh, My favorite thing about the whole thing was, though, I read another article where they were interviewing you know, different Hollywood personalities, you know, basically to get their thoughts on what Roseanne said, you know, are you for or against what she said? Do you think it was funny? Do you think it was racist? You know, I, I think out of the 10, 12 people that they interviewed, and I'm not going to go through all the names, but, you know, obviously everybody cited with the fact that, yes, it was a racist comment. Why would you say it? You know, other than the fact that you wanted to start a huge shitstorm. But they got down to one of the last people that they talked to, and it was Tom Arnold, which is Roseanne's ex-husband, I think, from the, the late 90s, early 2000s. That's right. And he, he had my favorite comment of all. He's like, 
he's ripping on her going on and on and on and he's like you know what there may be something to the ambient thing because i was on ambient from 99 to 2004 when i was married to you (laughs) 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 it's completely burned her oh my god that's so funny yeah uh yeah it's you know it it is what it is. You, you you put that shit out there, you're gonna get in trouble. That's that's something I think. You know, racism has no place in this country, right? Like, it doesn't do anybody any good to be racist. It just creates problems. And the quicker we can move past it, the better, right? And you know, that goes both ways. So groups that feel that they are targeted and then develop some kind of a hatred towards the the, let's just be real here. We're talking blacks versus whites in most cases, right? And so the, the mm-hmm. people who feel that white people are racist and then they in, in turn become racist back, that doesn't do any good, right? Um, I, I don't find any value in, in, in racism. You know, there, it's pointless. There's really no purpose in being racist. And if you're really honest and, and introspective and, and look at the history of the country, white people treated black people terribly. They ripped them away from their country and brought them over here and put them into slavery. And then what do we do once we have the civil rights movement? Oh, we kind of just push them off into their own little corners and pockets of cities and, and, and leave them alone and don't give them any help. And, you know, like we're a long ways away. We really are. I mean, we're getting there. We're definitely making progress, but we're a long ways away. These these people are they've they've been given the short straw. Let's be real. I mean, I I don't I I couldn't sit with myself in good conscience and 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 say that uh you know we're doing everything we can, you know, and that I don't benefit from being white. One hundred percent, I do. One hundred percent, you know, and and to put yourself in the shoes of, of a black person who doesn't have, you know, the ability or capabilities to do what we do. Um, you know, they start off life you know, at the short end uh, with the short end of the stick. I mean, honestly, Mm -hmm. like we treat minorities like shit in this country. We still do. It's all, it's, it's dictated from history. Like Mm -hmm. you said, you mentioned the civil rights movement. We're, we're, we're 50 to 60 years removed from that, the, the heart of that movement. And we're still where we're at today. Is it going to be another 50 to 60 years before things actually change? I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. Things like social media and the way things go today. And just this example in general, I, 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 there was physical abuse and, torment and all of the bad things that that prompted the civil rights movement and for everybody to stand up but now today you, you bring in the social media factor and you know a lot of the words hurt just as much as the physical pain that was endured before we're, we're no further ahead I, in my opinion than we were in some cases 50 to 60 years ago it, it's just a different landscape but that no, and you know, you know the thing is, like, there's been racism and tribalism since the beginning of time, and so mm-hmm. you get into these situations where you're trying to undo really thousands of years of of this stuff, right? So you know, it didn't just start with America 200 years ago. This has no. been shit that's been going on since the beginning of time. 
Um, you know, look at the Middle East. They've got pockets of groups that are, you know, based on religious affiliations, you know, against certain groups, right? And they're their own race, right? So, you know, to have, have that going on and then, you know, expect us to be much better, you know, we're all animals at the end of the day. And quite frankly, uh, we need to move past that and we need to get ourselves back into a position where we're actually trying to help people where we're trying to make it equal for everybody, you know, and we're not, um, instead we're bickering over Roseanne and Samantha B and not paying attention to the fact that Chicago had like 30 murders in one weekend over Memorial day, you know, mm -hmm. and it's mostly gang related black on black violence, but nobody gives a shit about that. Right. And not you know. willing to step in and do anything about that because they feel like they're taking care of their own problem within their own, yeah. within their own group with it, at the end of the day, they're still segregated to their portion of Chicago and you mm -hmm. know, not our problem. Yeah. Wash our hands of it. Forget about it. That's exactly it. We've banished groups of people to certain pockets of towns and leave them to be. And, you know, and then, and then we complain about it. Oh man, there's a lot of violence in Chicago. There's all this gun violence in Chicago. There's all these gangs and blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, you kind of started it yourself. So, you know, you're kind of responsible for that in a way, you know? Yeah. You didn't physically create the gang and cause people, but you, you put people in bad situations and then bad things happen. Right. And like, it's no different than trying to nation build. You go over and in, into an area and you, wreak havoc with you know all your weapons and guns and you know then you go and rebuild them and it's like you focus all your efforts on that and then next thing you know isis moves in it's like mm -hmm. okay so uh you know you got your own problems in your own country that you need to take care of and and that's a big one and quite frankly we we do a really piss poor job of it because it's a minority group and apparently nobody cares except for the minorities that come from those things and then try to be better and build them. Right. And then the rest of us just kind of sit around like, well, I mean, I'm guilty of that. Right. Like I don't think about it ever. Right. And yeah, no, I don't know that many people do that aren't directly in, in, involved in that situation. Probably don't think about it on a day to day basis. I mean, if you travel for work or you go to one of those cities, it may be front of mind. It's like, hey, man, I don't, I definitely don't want to drive down to this area of town because, <clears throat> you know, you've heard the history, you know, the reputation of the area. So you're going to avoid it. That's right. You're still avoiding the problem <laughs> when you think that way, right? 100%. I mean, it's just like a vacation that we went that I went on with my family that's going on three years ago now. And, and we flew into Los Angeles. And you're like, ah, LAX, it's in a pretty nice area. And then you go to get your rental car. Guess what? Hey, it's in Inglewood. Oh, <laughs> fuck. And I shot by a crack dealer going to get my goddamn rental car. It's the first thing I thought of. Hey, man, you might it, come across the NWA. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was scary. It was scary. From, from a... 40 year old white guy from the suburbs, Northeast Ohio, going to Inglewood to pick up your rental car. You're nervous. You got your whole family with you. Oh yeah. I mean, know. you're, you're out of your element. You're and you know that it's potentially a violent area. And you also know that you're an obvious target <laughs> because you, you don't blend right. in. 
yeah. standing, I stand out like a sore thumb. Right, just, exactly. just like if you go to Detroit, we years ago we used to go to Detroit to watch Indians games because you couldn't get into Progressive Field because it was sold out day after day. Mm-hmm. But you go to downtown Detroit, and it, it's it's been a cesspool for ten to fifteen years, and that same thing is happening there. You're you're in this case Detroit. You're shoving off an entire city, and letting them defend for themselves. And I think the city nearly went bankrupt or may even have went bankrupt. But then you, you go, it was the first year that the new ballpark was open. You, you go through all of these areas. You see 20, 30 people living in burned out houses with no windows and shit. You think you're in Mexico. I'm not stereotyping. I've seen the same thing in Mexico. Mm-hmm. But you're, yeah. you're less than five hours from where you live and you see this. And, but then you roll up to a baseball game and you, you roll up on a $750 million baseball stadium. It's like, <laughs> like the Shangri-La of downtown Detroit. It's, it's, it's yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Bizarre. It's bizarre. So. <laughs> you go to Burger King to, to ask direction because you get lost in downtown Detroit and there's bullet holes in the drive through window. <laughs> you know you're in the wrong fucking part of town. <laughs> yeah that is a true story (laughs) oh my god yeah i i uh no thanks (laughs) this is before gps on your phones and on your dashboards and on your windows this is yahoo maps days (laughs) yeah that's i i my sister has a similar story she was driving i think in let's say it was virginia and uh and their tire fell off their car like straight up just fell off and they had to pull over and, and go into like an auto zone or something that was like right down the road and uh, ask for help. And the guy said to her, do you know where you are? Mm-hmm. And she said, no, <laughs> my tire fell off my car, though. He said, here, take this. Get out of here. Gave her what she needed. Didn't make her pay for it. She got herself out of there. Jesus Christ. Where was this again? It was in Virginia, I believe. I it must be have been one of the larger up. cities. I don't remember for sure. I could be mistelling that story completely, but if I remember correctly, it's something to that effect. But no, yeah. it could be because, I mean, even Virginia, you get far enough into the state, you get really close to Washington, D.C. and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. So I wanted to, uh, to move on from that and just give a, a quick update on something I noticed, which we didn't really talk about this beforehand, but, um, you know, we talked about that Golden State Killer East area rapist, um, case, uh, a few episodes ago. Um, mm-hmm. there was a little bit of an update here in the, in the pretrial stuff going on. And so, uh, there's been a, a lawsuit that the media filed to unseal the search warrant and some other documents, um, and affidavits that were related to the arrest of Joseph James D'Angelo jr. Um, and they, they made a decision on that yesterday. And so they gave some portions of the affidavits and they've, uh, pretty much redacted a, a lot of the data that was in these and they redacted everything related to the rapes, uh, that happened early on in this guy's spree. And then they unsealed some info on kind of how they caught him and, and this and that. And I just thought it was interesting. They ended up, um, they grabbed a swab from a door handle uh, out in public and they got a hit on him and they wanted it to be more accurate than what they were able to prove. So they went through his trash and got several items of trash that he had put out in his trash can. 
including a tissue uh, that was used. And so he was able to, the law enforcement was able to match him on that. And then they felt pretty good about it and they arrested him. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because I was reading up on that article because it, it like peaked at some of the top of the, some of the headlines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, when you said they got the DNA match in public, I think they were at a Hobby Lobby or a retail store <laughs> or somewhere close to where they lived. Yep. Yeah. It was Hobby Lobby. Yeah. I thought it was pretty, pretty interesting. Um, yeah. So, so that case is pretty, I, I've been super intrigued by that since I heard about it about, I don't know, five, six months ago before they caught him, I, I had first learned about this case. I didn't even, I've never even heard of it. And I couldn't believe how many rapes and, and additional, additionally murders that this guy's committed that they had, I mean, just, I think it was like over 50 rapes and 12, mm-hmm. 12 murders. And, and I never even heard of this guy and he was never caught. And it was like, you know, since the seventies. So it's relatively recent, recent enough that you should know about, it. I mean, no, you know about Led Zeppelin, right? So, I mean, you should yeah. know about this. This is a pretty, pretty big deal, right? Son of Sam and all that stuff. And, you know, all these other things that happened in the seventies and you know about those, but I've never heard of this guy. And I think part of the problem was he moved up and down the state and, and started out in doing different things. And the, the theory is that he started out as the Visalia ransacker. So in the town of Visalia, there was somebody that was going around just ransacking houses. And it was very similar to what he ended up doing during the rapes where he would just like kind of show up in your house and ransack things and, you know, go through all your stuff. And and then he would take items of like little to no value, um, and just leave. And then that turned into doing the same thing, but then raping people. Then it turned into the same thing, but killing people. And he just kept moving around the state as it was going on. And at the time, you know, they didn't have DNA, so they couldn't really connect anything except for based on MO, which they finally did. I mean, they started connecting the dots, right? And I think that's what they're leaning towards now, but we won't really know for sure until the trial happens that they believe he was the Visalia ransacker first, the East Area rapist, then the original Night Stalker, and then they kind of merged that all into the Golden State Killer name. So the guys had like 10 monikers, so no wonder nobody really knows about him. Right. Yeah, it could be three to four different profiles or cases solved from catching this one guy. And, and some of the other information that was released in the article that I read were the, some of the items that were taken from his home when he was arrested directly linked him to some of those burglaries and some of those crimes, because he still had in his possession things from those all those years ago. He was still oh, see, I, didn't, some of that stuff. I didn't get a chance to read many articles on it. I just read like a quick summary and yeah. I didn't catch that part. That's really intriguing. I've been wondering that because he was known to take things of little value. So basically trinkets and souvenirs from these crimes, nobody knew where they went. And that was law yeah. enforcement always would say like, you know, Hey, these things are missing, you know, kind of planting the seed. Like, do you know somebody who might have these really random ass things in their house that you don't know why they do <laughs> let us know. And so you know, they find that a lot with serial killers and serial offenders is that they tend to take things from, from their crimes and keep them. Um, they had that BTK killer guy used to take pictures of his victims and, and take their like driver's licenses and weird shit like that and keep it. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it's just, it's just bizarre. I think one of the craziest things that's probably going to spin out of this story is, and this hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure it's going to is, you know, your rights to privacy and stuff like your DNA matches on these ancestry sites. And, and what happens if law enforcement starts 
approaching the results from these sites to, I mean, it's a good thing if they can solve a bunch of cold cases that, you know, basically fell dead years ago, but mm-hmm. they can double back and, and pull those results from something like that now that people are going out voluntarily doing because they're wanting to learn their family tree, but... I don't necessarily you know. have a problem with this. I'll tell you why. If I'm just a normal everyday citizen and mm-hmm. they've got my DNA, I don't know that I care. Like, why do right. I care? I, I can't really think of a good reason why I'm so concerned about my quote unquote right to privacy in this, in this one regard, right? That I care. Mm-hmm. Like if, if my familial DNA helped catch this guy, because I loaded it on a website, I would be happy. Yeah, for like, sure. Like, because I'm just a regular law-abiding citizen, and so I'm happy this guy's not on my streets anymore. So, it, to me, it's no different than if I can provide you a tip. The tip mm-hmm. is my DNA. I just don't even know that it connects to the guy who's causing these problems, right? So, if I can do that, I'm okay with it. What I'm so. I guess the distinction here is they used a website called Jedmatch, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't like Ancestry.com or 23andMe.com, the famous ones that you know you do your DNA stuff through, which I've done, actually. Um, so those websites have terms and conditions you know, in their user agreements, which no one reads, where they're not going to do that kind of stuff with your DNA. But I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe that they might actually cooperate with law enforcement if they have a valid search warrant. So. Okay. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I can't really think of a good reason why, like, being able to profile people off of DNA is bad. You know? No. Like, I can't really think of a good reason. Like, what what nefarious reason is there that you could take my DNA and do something besides potentially... I mean, you'd... You'd have to be talking about like planting evidence kind of shit that I don't. I don't think you could do through a DNA website. You know? No, no. I mean, the only way that really anything nefarious could happen with something like that on a site is if somebody hacked the site and started mismatching results or moving shit around. Right, database, right, basically. Right. But, but then you have to validate it. Then they have to get yeah. his DNA and validate it against the DNA from the website, and that's what they did. So I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I can't think of a really good reason why it's bad. I'm sure there is maybe one or two out there that I'm just not thinking of right now, but I cannot think for the life of me of why that would be so dangerous that I would not want law enforcement to be able to do that. In fact, I would almost be in favor of any time a child's born in this country, you take their DNA and put it in a database, and then law enforcement has that and the ability to track these people because then you don't have this problem where you had 12 people murdered, hundreds of families affected, cities yeah. scared like I mean, we don't really have that problem anymore anyway just because technology is so much better where we do have the dna evidence we can get to it quicker we can catch them faster we have cameras uh you know everywhere so it's a lot harder to be a serial offender but it's still possible yeah i mean they're starting to do that in some cases not necessarily when your child's born but <clears throat> when they start school they they've always had these programs where you know they'll they, um, for safety reasons, we want to have your child's fingerprints mm-hmm. on record. And I think even with my son, as early as first or second grade, they were not only were they doing 
the fingerprints um, at the sheriff's department, but they were also doing DNA swabs. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't have a really big opposition to this at all, honestly. I don't, I don't know. I mean, some people might say like they can uncover health issues or something. I and I don't know what that really matters. Like, mm-hmm. if it's just law enforcement that can do this stuff, right? And we're not. I don't know. I, I'm sure there's some overarching issue on the like staring me in the face. I'm not seeing it, but I, I just yeah. can't think of it off the top of my head of why, why this would be a major problem. But, no, I uh, don't either, but, <clears throat> but there's always opponents to everything. And yeah, there's yeah. people out there that jump up and down about big brother. And, but that's you know, what I, I like those people too, because more. they cause you to probe the, the issue seriously, right? Like me, I'm not thinking of something, but what if someone has a really valid point on the other side that I don't know about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like somebody might yeah. might have a really good case, which was kind of funny because so um, back when uh, they kind of started piecing this DNA stuff together, I believe it was in the very late '90s, early 2000s, and kind of connecting these crimes together. There wasn't anything in California where they could collect the prisoners' DNA against their will, and they had some suspects they thought were in prison, and they wanted to collect their DNA, and they said no. And so one of the brothers of a victim. Uh, lobbied the government to create a program where they would collect um, any felony prisoner's DNA. And so uh, this guy was, um, he had, there was a state senator, I believe. I could be a little bit wrong on the political part of this, but uh, there was a state politician who was putting forward a bill to do the justice thing, which is collect uh, prisoner uh, DNA against their will basically and, mm-hmm. and put it in a database. And, uh, and it was all spawned off of this, the school and state killer case. And, uh, and the legislature said they were going to strike this down. This was not going to happen. And this guy went in and lobbied them. And then the vote was 100% of the people voted for it when he was all said and done after he gave his, gave his case saying, you know, my brother was killed by somebody. We don't even know who it is. He's done, you know, some countless other crimes we need this system. There's no reason not to have it. And then they, they actually all voted in favor. I I thought that was a really <laughs> fascinating take on this. I, I didn't know that. And so then California then put into practice this collection of DNA of felonious prisoners and, and they were able to um, start tracking, tracking them, but obviously they didn't find him because he wasn't in jail. So yeah, right. that was just one of their theories going around for a while because they couldn't find him. That's interesting. I wonder if I wonder how many states have adopted that that mandatory DNA collection now, even if you're Probably arrested or put into the system. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a lot now. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I mean, for okay. those people that it's something simple as a DUI, you're involuntarily giving them your your DNA. I don't know what you know. You what what does blow. the cop do with the straw after you blow on the breathalyzer? No, you don't have to blow. So you are voluntary. You <laughs> yeah. That's true. You, technically, you don't have to, but they'll make your life complete hell if you don't. So, yeah, I love those laws. Hey, you don't have to do this, but if you don't, you're going to jail. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're gonna make it ten times harder on you, right? Exactly. And if you don't blow, then we're gonna really give you the we're gonna hammer you with the, <laughs> with all everything we can. So, yeah. Uh, well, moving on to something a little more exciting before we wrap up here is uh 
Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference kicks off next week, which is near and dear to my heart. Even though I'm not a developer, I'm a nerd, and I love watching this stuff. And also, just because it's a developer conference doesn't mean you don't get new hardware. A lot of times they announce new new Macs or iPads, and they used right. to do iPhones at this event until they moved them to the back half of the year. Um, so I'm pretty pumped about this. We don't know a whole lot for once. Usually there's a lot of leaks and and spoilers but Mm -hmm. nothing's come out this time Um, yeah i read read through the one article you sent over and there's a lot of focus on obviously some of the next ios releases and things like that but there wasn't a lot of hardware stuff that i I read i don't think we're going to see new hardware if anything it'll be something completely random that no one really knew about um it's kind of hard for them to do hardware without leaks because they tend to end up showing uh, showing up in the supply chain, and the supply chain ends up spoiling the the fun for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. So, I believe you know. Obviously, they're probably going to announce iOS twelve, right? And this year, they're supposed to focus more on just stability and improvements, and and not tentpole features really. I kind of have a feeling they're going to sneak a couple of solid features in here, but I wanted to ask you as an Apple user, if in iOS 12, what would you like to see? Um, first and foremost, I definitely would like to see a better Siri experience. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago and how terrible Siri is. And, and from the, uh, from the Google conference, how, how much further ahead of the game they are, versus apple Mm -hmm. and i think we're gonna see more siri stuff because um there there was a part in that article as well where they're they're really beefing up their recruitment of of developers specifically for ai and specifically for siri i think they said they had uh, close to 200 job openings on their website just for ai development and siri related jobs yeah, so, they do, but I don't know if they'll bear the fruits of that labor yet. It, maybe. It's possible. But mm-hmm. it might be one of those things that's another year off just because the recent hirings just kind of started, I don't know, within the last 6 to 12 months where they started going crazy for right. Siri engineers. Um, you know, that's that's it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I hope Siri gets better too. I've kind of moved off of her. And onto the Amazon suite for now. Um, you know, I was debating if I should get a HomePod or just get more Echoes. Echoes are cheaper by a lot, and the experience is a bit better. And I could use Spotify, and you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I felt like oh. I feel like uh, for peripherals, I'm not really an ecosystem guy. Is what I'm realizing. I like the ability to be flexible. And mm-hmm. so I really like that I can go and, and, and get a, a different device set and, and, and use those devices with some of the software that I use. So I hope Siri gets better in iOS 12. Um, I really hope I, I would really like to see them do something with the notification system. Just getting mm-hmm. a blast of like a hundred notifications in some random order. Well, I guess they're sequential, but like you know, you get like a bunch of. Them. Can you group them for me so I don't have you know a hundred icons in a row 
showing me the same notification over and over and over. For instance, when I have my ring security camera go off because my son's playing outside and it tells me I have motion in my backyard 75 Mm -hmm. times in a row before I get a chance (laughs) to mute it. You know, it's like, can we just get one group that says I have 75 notifications for my ring device? You know, stuff like that. I would like to see. Yeah. 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 I, I kind of skimmed the article just to try to, to pick a few things out of there that looked interesting. I, I think another thing that they're going to focus on is some of their NFC and near field technology and expanding it past, you know, Apple pay, but I, I don't know where that's going to go. Yeah. That'd be kind of interesting. I would also really like it if, if in iOS they made uh, the iPad a little bit more Mac, like a little bit more capable um, I love my iPad. I don't really use it that much anymore. I, I got a MacBook Pro um, about six months ago that I, I love, and I use that for everything. And the Mac is just so much more powerful. And honestly, they're so thin now. I'd, for a while, I considered trying to move to an iPad only because I thought that would be kind of cool. But I just the experience just isn't quite right. There's something that's always just a little lacking. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I wish they would would button that up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I think they should yeah. also uh, they should also release their air power mat <laughs> that they announced about a year ago that hasn't come out yet. I'm, I'm not familiar with that. What was that? So they have a mat that's supposed to chi charge all of your new devices. Your iPhone 10, your Apple Watch, and your AirPods should all be able to sit down on this mat. The AirPods, if you have some already, need a new case. New new AirPods will have the case, but you can set them all on the same mat and charge them at the same time, um, which you can't do today. So that removes three plugs that you would need to use. And I don't know. I, I would probably never buy this thing because it's probably going to be like $200. And for charging, I'm not going to spend $200. I bought a $10 chi charger on online i'm fine with um yeah but yeah i think that'd be kind of interesting so um that's all i have you have any any final comments before we wrap no i just i'm looking forward to game two and we'll see what happens i'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about yeah and with that worldwide developer conference happening next week maybe that'll give us a little bit more fuel for that conversation too so that's right yeah, I'll be all over that, I'm sure. So, right. If any Cavs fans are listening, and maybe we need to just see if Tyron Liu has a Twitter account. We can send him the link to the to the show. Send Kendrick Perkins in assassin time. That's right. <laughs> Take out Draymond. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, definitely check us out on iTunes. Subscribe. Hit us up. Rate us. Uh, pass it along. Spread it like gonorrhea to your best friend. Anyway, um, that being said, we'll uh, we'll see what happens in game two, and and we'll be back with some in-depth, hard-hitting analysis. I'm sure. <laughs>